This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. That's a great word. Well, good morning. All right, I'm just going to go ahead as the ushers take up the offering. So um, this morning, I'm going to do the first um, message of a two-series. It's called Sheep and Shepherd. Um, And so today you're going to hear message number one. I'm going to be talking about the the role and responsibility of a shepherd. And then Gary is going to preach next Sunday. And then the Sunday after that, we're going to come with part two of this message. So... I know you can't wait already, so hang tight, uh, because it's coming, more is coming, so don't give up, don't give up, it's worth coming back. But um, let's just pray quickly, and then we're going to dive right into the Word this morning. Father, we thank you for this morning, we thank you, God, for your presence that's here, we thank you, God, for this experience we have of coming into your presence in worship and lifting you up, Lord, and we thank you, God, that you can touch our hearts at the very core of our beings when we come, and Lord, this morning we ask that you would speak to us, show us more of who you are and who you want us to be. Lord, we just give you glory and praise in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the Bible uses many metaphors when they talk about us as believers. They talk about us being temples, lively stones, trees, and soldiers, and vessels, and and so on and so forth. But one of the most intimate relationships that you'll ever see referenced in the Bible is this idea of a sheep and a shepherd. Um, And so that's what I want to talk about this morning, because I believe that this particular thing is the most... um, It's very, very important um, as a metaphor even because it talks about a very life-giving relationship, something that nourishes, something that gives life. The the word shepherd is actually used over 120 times uh, in the Bible. So we start to say, and most of those times it's actually metaphorically speaking of a shepherd to the people of God, not a shepherd on the field. So most of those times, God is speaking of this very relationship. And I believe that as believers, we're actually not just called to find pasture, as in green pasture. I believe that we're actually called to find a pastor. Because there's something very significant about that role. Because, because green pasture, we can find just about anywhere. There's a lot of good teachings and preachings and sermons and this and that. You can go on YouTube. You can go here and there and, and get a lot of good stuff. But there's something to be said for having a relationship with the pastor um, that God has ordained in your life. Because I believe that there's a life-giving thing that comes from having a relationship, not just eating grass if you know what I'm saying. Um, And so I believe that if you're willing to walk in relational accountability with, uh, with people in your life that God has placed as shepherds in your life, there's something very significant that can come out of that. And I will say this as a disclaimer too, there's a lot of people out there that feel like they don't need a shepherd, that feel like, God is all they need, and and they're good on their own. But I'm telling you right now that they're missing out on a very fundamental role that God created, that he meant for us to have one with another, because there's something that's very life-giving when you're connected, not just when you're fed, but when you are connected. And um, I'm reminded even when Jesus came in, and he's looking over Jerusalem, and it says that he was literally moved with compassion, because he's looking at these crowds of people, religious people, Jewish people, people that 
that were following the law and that knew all the rules and regulations, but it says that he was looking out over these people and he's saying, it says that he was moved with compassion and he said, but they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're not connected to that life-giving relationship. And so we know that that's something that Jesus wants for us. And I believe ultimately that God has called us to live in healthy relationships. Um, And if you think of a family, a family functions the very best when everyone knows their role. Are you with me? So for those of you who are parents, how many times, if you're being honest, have you used the phrase, you're not the parent? Okay, the rest of you parents, there will be an altar call later for liars, because I believe every parent at some point has said, you're not the parent. In other words, trust me. You may not understand right now why I'm saying this or why I'm wanting to protect you from that, but I'm doing it because I love you, because I care for you. And so one of the best things we can do in a family is to each and everyone understand what relationship we have, how we function together, how we can support one another. And when you do that, a family functions beautifully. Are you with me? Excellent. Um, So in order to uh, understand true healthy roles and expectations within the church as a church family, I think that we need to just simply understand relationships the way God sees them. Um, And I, I believe that the enemy is scared of people that understand this. He wants to rob this very relationship from us because when we truly get a hold of this, it can be life changing. So I believe that as believers, we are called to find true security and trust first and foremost in Jesus, but also as a healthy family, church family, we are supposed to find that in one another as well. And so I want to take a peek before we uh, go any further. I want to read one of the, uh, the most famous scriptures that we talk about in relation to uh, this idea of being a shepherd. But first, I want to say that God himself is our chief shepherd, if I, can, if I can call it that. He's our chief shepherd. First Peter 2.25 says, For you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. And so when we talk about this idea of shepherding and what it means to be a shepherd, I think first and foremost we have to look to God. What is he like as a shepherd? And how can we model after him? What is the heart of God the shepherd for his people? And shepherd defined, I was looking everywhere for a good definition of a shepherd. And, uh, and here it comes. Are you guys ready? Are you really ready? He who tends sheep. I was like, Lord, there's got to be something more. <laughs> and it's like every definition I looked up, it's like, he who tends sheep. He who takes care of sheep. The sheep carer. And I'm like, wow, that was... Well, finally, I did find one more definition, and I love it. So can I give it to you? Because <laughs> I wanted something deep. So it says this, he whose care others... He to whose care others have committed themselves and whose precepts they follow. And I thought, how fitting. Uh, With God as our shepherd, we have committed ourselves to his care and we follow his precepts. Um, But I want to talk to you quickly about the benefits of a right relationship with God as our shepherd. And I want to read to you simply from Psalm 23. I'm going to read it first and then just break it down quickly for you. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me 
all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I want to just quickly draw out seven different things that we can learn about God as our shepherd in this passage. First, it talks about the Lord is my shepherd. It speaks about an intimate relationship. God didn't just say, I am uh, the great shepherd and, uh, you know, all those people down there, they can be my sheep. But he says, this talks about the Lord is my shepherd. God longs for an intimate relationship with each and every one of us that is alive and that is active. And then it goes on in the same verse and it says, I lack nothing. This verse, I have to say, have been very misunderstood because people in other translations say, I shall not want um, but the more truer translation originally is actually, I shall not lack, or I lack nothing. And so it's not that we'll never want anything in life, but this talks about, I lack nothing. There's a, when we connect with God as our chief shepherd, there's a continuous provision that he will get for us. So we'll have neither too much nor too little, but he says that if you are connected with me as your shepherd, you will lack nothing. There's a promise in there. Um, Third thing is this, that he makes me lie down in green pastures. There is rest and nourishment when we come into relationship with him as our shepherd and surrender our life to him. There's something that happens where we can literally be freed from anxiety. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of anxiety out there in this world, and I think a lot of people could need that rest and that nourishment that comes. And I actually, uh, I was doing some studies around this idea of sheep and shepherds, and I found a very interesting fact. And it's this, that a sheep, when a shepherd is out, you know, tending their sheep, uh, they, sheep will often wander and run around and they'll get down, they'll start eating, and then they'll just kind of keep eating and keep walking. And they, they don't even know where they're going to end up because they don't even look up uh, <laughs> a lot of the time. But one thing I, I learned is that a sheep actually won't lay down and rest unless the shepherd is present. I never knew that. I thought that was incredibly interesting because they are too restless to actually lay and rest unless the shepherd is there. So if you see pictures of sheep laying down, the shepherd is always within the vicinity. I thought that was very interesting in our relationship with God because in order to truly find rest and nourishment for our souls, we need him present in our lives. We need him there. We need to be in his presence. And this is very much like even in marriage relationships. You'll see that if, if spouses are not on the same page or maybe one is off doing one thing, there's often a, a restlessness in the other spouse, right? Because God has called us together in relationships to be, be there, to support one another, to be present. And so I found that very interesting because God wants us to have total rest and nourishment. It goes on to say, he leads me beside still waters or quiet waters and he refreshes my soul. This speaks of refreshing and renewal. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to give us that life. He wants to give us that refreshing. Not just every now and then, but how many of us know that we need to drink water every single day? Right? You can't go very long without water or you die. <laughs> but the same way it is with God, we never should go without the refresh. Yeah, that was an encouraging message from the pastor. Um, but the same way, just like we thirst for water, God wants us to thirst for Him, for His presence, for the Holy Spirit that literally wants to take us beside those quiet waters and give us that refreshing and that renewal every single day that we live. And here comes that really interesting phrase. It talks about, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about what that actually means, but it is an incredibly interesting thing when you start studying what this means. The, the shepherd, um, and still to this day in, in like classic, more Middle Eastern like shepherds that are still out on the field where nothing is automated, <laughs> automatic gates. Uh, but when they're out with their sheep, you see that they have a staff that's usually rounded on the top, like that's that typical picture you see. But the rod is actually a shorter, often knob stick. And so what the shepherd does with these two, rod and the staff, is that literally as, uh, as danger comes and as predators come, he will take the rod and he will start pushing away the predators and protecting his sheep. And when the little fluffies get eating and, and they get walking and, you know, you get eating your, your nice grass. Did you like that one? He's like, I'm so proud of you right now, honey. Um, Maybe I won't get to preach that second Sunday. I'm sorry. But, but they, oftentimes when the little sheep start eating and, and they see this grass and then they see a patch of grass over here and over there, the shepherd's like, little fluffy, you're wandering off. So he'll take his staff that's rounded on the one end and he'll simply just kind of hook it around little fluffy and just pull him back into the fold because he wants to make sure he's safe. And sometimes he'll actually take the other end of the staff and just gently kind of round, much like a sheepdog would, like just gently round the flock up with his staff, right? So when it says that your rod and your staff, they comfort me, it actually represents protection. Because the shepherd, the heart of the shepherd is always to protect his sheep, to keep them safe, to make sure they stay within the safe boundaries of where the rest of the flock is. Because how many know that when when you're away from the flock, you're free game. And so the shepherd will always often round up his sheep. And it also talks about that gentle, loving correction. But it's an inspiring kind of correction because he always brings you back to himself. And then it goes on uh, towards the end of that psalm that it says that you anoint my head with oil. And we tend to think of that in, in an Old Testament setting where God anoints someone for service and it's a place of significance and all that. And that's true. And that's what God wants to do with each and every one of us. But actually, in relation to a shepherd, they would take oil, literally, and pour it over a sheep's head in order to get that, that oil and that grease in their, uh, in their wool because that was a way to protect them, their ears, their eyes, and their face from the little the little gnats and little flies and little spiders that would want to come and actually get in there and, and cause distraction to their hearing or their vision. And so when God is saying here that I anoint your head with oil, he's saying that I'm anointing you for protection. I want you to see, have clear vision. I want you to have open ears to be able to hear the voice of the shepherd, to be able to see the vision of where he's leading you. And it literally speaks of that protection. That's the heart of a shepherd. And then it talks about how goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And it actually says you don't have to go and seek after it. It's going to follow you. If you are in a life-giving relationship with God as your shepherd, mercy and goodness will follow you. And it actually, that word actually means overtake you. It's literally saying that if you're in that relationship, God is going to chase you down and overtake you with goodness and mercy for the rest of your life. It talks about lifelong benefits of that trusting relationship. So that's how we relate to God as our shepherd. But then Jesus comes along and he says that he is the good shepherd. 
And so I want to look at what he said about himself, because Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And if I can say this, many years um, in church life, I don't know how you think of of, uh, pastors and, and church life, but oftentimes there's been this great divide between a pastor and what we would, or clergy, and, and what you would call the congregational members. But I have to say, it's something that's, that really bothers me because when you read about Jesus and the way he was with people, we don't see that modeled. So I think that we need to model ourselves after what Jesus did. Are you with me? And when I look at Jesus, he was right there with the sheep. He was with the sheep at all times, if we can call them sheep and shepherd, but he was with people. And he was there, and so uh, we read a book years ago um, that said they smelled like sheep, and it was all about pastoring, (laughs) and how shepherds actually smell like sheep. So I said to Cameron the other day, I was getting all inspired, and I'm like, well, the shepherds, they they walked with the sheep, they fed the sheep, they lived with the sheep, they slept with the sheep. He's like, don't don't say slept with the sheep, because that could be misunderstood. So, So I took that out of my notes. They did not sleep with the sheep. Um, So... I did not say that this morning, okay? <laughs> you silly minds over there. What are you thinking? Anyhow, but, but, I, but I believe that, that Jesus walked with people because he loved people. He bled compassion for people. So let's look at one of the most famous passages where he speaks about this. It's in John chapter 10. It says this from verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, is that same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. See, I believe that Jesus believed in personal relationships. It talks about here that he calls his sheep by name, and they know his voice. Why? Because there was a relationship with people. He was with his people because he loved them. And I believe that he's talking about when the shepherd knows his sheep. He's not just talking about one of many shepherds. He's talking about finding a role of a shepherd where you know your shepherd. And again, if you study some, um, some basic shepherding facts, uh, you could see that oftentimes shepherds will come out and they'll bring their flocks and they will intermingle through the day in these green pastures and all the sheep will intermingle and they'll all eat and whatever. And at the end of the day, I found this incredibly interesting. The shepherd will start calling out the sheep by name. And you can have five or six shepherds and a massive amount of sheep, and they will know their shepherd's voice and literally just split up into their little groups and go home with their shepherd. It's incredibly powerful when you think of it because God has called us to recognize our shepherd's voice so that when he calls out and he says, Ryan, Diana, we go, okay, I know that voice. That's my shepherd. It's very powerful. I believe that there's many shepherds out there, but not all shepherds are called to speak into your life on an intimate level. That's why I believe that we need to connect with not just a pastor, but a pastor. And it's like Jesus calling Peter by name. You know, it's, he looks at Peter, and Peter saw his own failures and his own shortcomings, but 
But Jesus saw the potential in him. So he not only calls Peter by his old name, Simon, but he actually says, Simon, you know, I love you, Simon, but now I'm going to call you Peter. And he calls him by his own name that he had given him because he sees the potential in Peter. And I believe when you connect with God as your shepherd and when you find a good shepherding relationship with a pastor, you're going to have people that are going to look into your life and say, you may look at yourself like a Simon, but I see Peter in you and I'm going to, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to push on. I'm going to be cheerleading you on until I see that materialize in your life. It's like Brecken and Gideon. When, when the angel came and said to Gideon, he's like, oh, mighty man of valor. Gideon's like, uh, who's he talking to? And God literally calls out the mighty man of He was the least of his tribe. But God saw the potential in him. And I think in a life-giving, pastoring relationship, you're going to see people that are saying, no, I see greater things in you. I know that there's more in you. I know that God has called you for greater things, and I'm not giving up on you until I see you fulfill everything that God has called you to do. Well, thank you for that underwhelming response. Um, That was fabulous. You liked it. Oh, she loved it. That's all that matters. Okay, verse 4, it goes on to say, And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. See, number two, Jesus set the example. Not only does he believe in relationships, but he set the example. I believe when you go before, you're setting the example for others to follow. You know his voice. Not, and, and if I can... If I can step out here, you can throw tomatoes at me later. Where are those goggles that were here last night? Um, But I believe that just because you call someone a pastor doesn't necessarily mean that they're your pastor. Someone is a pastor when you receive them into your heart and give them a place to speak into your life and speak into your heart. Because that's the role that God has ordained because he wants you to be in a life-giving relationship. But if I can put out a disclaimer, the other way is that I believe that a shepherd, a true shepherd and a true pastor should set the example and lead by example. Just like in a family, we're not going to tell our kids to do something we're not willing to do ourselves. We model what we say to our kids, right? Well, at least you should. If you don't, there's a problem. Come talk to me after. But we should model what we ask of our kids to do. And the same thing in a shepherding relationship, just like Jesus set the example, I believe that we need to be living examples to those that God have called into our flock. And the beauty of that is that when you start getting to know people and walk in this relationship, then you know each other's character. It's not just words, but someone actually gets that. When your pastor has a place to speak into your heart, it's because you know them and they know you. There's an ongoing relationship and there's a trust that is built. And when you see, well, if you don't want to follow their example, there's a problem. But if they truly set a good example for you, then you can start opening up and trusting and saying, okay, well, I I trust you and I know your character. So you can have that place to speak in to my life. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, 13 says this, We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you, who are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourself. That word recognize those who labor actually comes from the word know those who labor 
among you, to know those, to mean to have regard and pay attention to. God has called us to know those that we are in relationship with. Verse 5 goes on to say, For they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they didn't understand the things which he spoke to them. And Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, and the sheep did not hear them. And I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Number three, Jesus was a servant leader. Jesus addressed very quickly that true shepherds, true leaders are those who serve others. We are not here to gain fame and, and a name for ourselves. We are here, if a true shepherd has the heart of God, we are here to lay our life down and to serve others first and foremost. Even when there are the disciples would get into arguments about who was the greatest and who had done the most things and who had the greatest stats from their last missions trip, Jesus came in and he said, don't worry about that. First of all, be glad that you have your name written in the book of life, because that's what matters. And secondly, if you want to be great, and he actually illustrated it, and he, he took a towel and he said, if you want to be great, and he starts washing their feet, and he says, then you are to serve. The kind of leader that you need to have is the kind of leader that is willing to serve, so that you can be that kind of leader that's willing to serve others. That's servant leadership that Jesus modeled. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the heart of Jesus. Verse 12 in John 10 goes on to say, But a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Number four, Jesus cared more about the sheep and about people than about fame and gain. And true pastors, true shepherds, you see this where, where some, some people get off track here. And it becomes more about the stuff and more about the numbers and more about this and that and, and fame and gain. But Jesus said, that's a hireling. Jesus said, if you truly have a shepherd's heart, then you love the sheep. You care for the sheep. And you don't run away when danger comes. In fact, that's the moment where you step in and you say, if you're messing with my sheep, you're messing with me. Right? Like that's what happens when someone comes to our kids. It's like mama bear comes out and watch it. Got a little bit of a finished temper, and every now and then it just seeps out. But that you don't, you don't touch my kids, right? But as a shepherd, I can tell you this. There's times that people or things come along, and we get alerted. Because as a shepherd of our flock, we start seeing danger. We start seeing people circle around, and we know that they're not here for, for anything good. And that's where you'll see us step in and go, no, no, no. This is not okay. We want to protect our sheep. We want to protect our flock because it's what God entrusted to us. Verse 14 goes on to say, I am, a, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. See, Jesus believes in trusting relationships. He talks about knowing. I know them, they know me. It's all about developing a trust. And if I can say this, when you have a trusting and a healthy relationship, then there's no need for manipulation or control. Are you here this morning? If you're in relationships at any point in your life where you feel like there's control and manipulation, 
at work, there's no true trust. Because trust and love leaves no room for that stuff. A healthy relationship is a trusting relationship. And that's what God has called us to be. That doesn't mean that you cut everyone out of your life. But if there's a lack of health in relationships, then you need to address it and work on it. Amen? All right, number f- uh, verse 15. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus was completely selfless. He laid down his life for the sheep. And we, if we're called to be shepherds of one another and shepherds in your life, then you are completely selfless and lay down your life for the sheep. So I want to just bring um, kind of my third thing is that we are simply under shepherds. I know that's not a technical term, but it is now. So we're under shepherds. Can you go with me with that? Because if we look at God as our shepherd and Jesus was the good shepherd, then we need to model ourselves after him. And so what is the role and the responsibility of an actual shepherd? I want to just read to you. Uh, first, I want to read 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. It says, it's Paul speaking, and he literally says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. So a true shepherd should be imitating Christ all the way. They should not be imitating or fashioning themselves after another person, another ministry, another uh, thing out there, but they should model themselves after Jesus. And that's our desire, is to always model ourselves after Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16 says this, So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of Man and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will become, grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. For in him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does it work, its work. See, I believe that the things he mentions here, the five apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, they are gifts literally to the church to bring maturity, to bring love, to help us grow up and understand more of Christ. And if you look at that, it's packed with stuff. We are to equip the saints, equip people of God for service. See, I believe that pastors are not called to do all the work of the ministry. Pastors are there as an equipper to equip you to learn and to grow, to do the work of the ministry, to do the call of God on your life, whatever it is that God has for you. Because then it talks about the body being functioning and working well. So we are simply here to equip you. That's it. We are to equip the saints for works of service. We are to strengthen the church, bring unity to the church, bring balance to the church, bring doctrinal stability and teaching, bring a greater understanding of Christ, bring stability and bring maturity to your lives. If I can say this, most people would say they want maturity, but not everyone is willing to embrace what it takes to reach maturity, if you know what I'm saying. And so... As you understand the role of a pastor, you know that they're here also to bring maturity to your life by sometimes bringing encouragement and sometimes bringing correction. Simply put, a shepherd helps their sheep to become all they're meant to be. So the last thing I want to do is share four quick things that are roles and responsibilities of local church shepherds, so pastors. Number one, a shepherd is a keeper of the sheep. 
Isaiah 40, verse 11 says, He tends his flock like a shepherd, and he gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. See, a shepherd is called to be a keeper. They watch over with care and attention those that are in their flock. They take care of the spiritual and practical needs of their sheep. Now, if I can put a disclaimer out there, that does not mean that your pastor can be there at all times in every setting for everybody. It's, I'm sorry, Joel. <laughs> like, don't shake your head at me. <laughs> okay, for you. But <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, but what we are called to do, again, we're equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry, right? So if we truly equip people, that's, hello, that's why we have connect group leaders. Because when you have a need, you have, if you're connected in a connect group, you'll quickly see that there's someone that's there for you that's ready to meet your need, to cook you a meal when you're sick or when you have a baby. Or, you know, that's why we believe that if we fully equip the church, then we can enable the church to be the church. And then no one has to go unnoticed. Are you with me this morning? So we, tear, we tend and care for our sheep by mobilizing an army of believers that are there for one another. Are you with me this morning? I get a little excited because I believe that when the church is the church, there is nothing as powerful as that on this planet. And so when we can learn to be the church and embrace the role God has given us, it's powerful, life-changing. Where was I? I have no idea. They pray and intercede for the sheep. That was very nice and spiritual. But of course, a shepherd is the keeper of the sheep because we pray for them, we intercede for them. You'll get little texts from us going, how was that thing? How are you doing? Praying for you this morning because that's the role of a shepherd. Your connect group leader will do that because it's the role of a shepherd. Your friends will do that because it's the role of a believer in a family. Amen? Number two, the shepherd is a guardian of the door. 1 Peter 5, 2 to 3 says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. That just wraps it up right there. God wants us to be a guardian of the flock because we love our people, because you love one another. Acts 20, 28 says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his very own blood. No pressure. <laughs> right? <laughs> By God, <laughs> thank you. But God wants you to, God wants us as shepherds to be guardians of our flock, to keep those out that would bring harm to the sheep, to protect people from false teaching, false ministries, and false prophets, or if I can even say unbalanced teaching. Sometimes there's good teaching out there that's just way out of balance. And a shepherd, that's why Cameron sometimes does these things where he brings pastoral reflections, because he wants to disarm this confusion that goes on at times and bring clarity to where we stand in the house of God on certain matters. And I find this very interesting because I believe that a shepherd as a guardian is also called to help the church, help their flock set certain standards. And I want to share one thing with you. I believe that there's three things out there. Sometimes there's been a little bit of confusion in regards to these three things. But I believe that there's something called biblical standards. They are the black and whites, non-negotiables, easy to find, it's right or wrong. And as shepherds, we should be bringing that forth to the flock. But there's another standard that I think is people are more confused around. And I want to share with you why we do this. It's something I would call community standards. 
They are things, or even church culture standards, if you will. I believe these are things that God has called us as shepherds to look out over our flock and see what are community standards that are important for us as Impact Church. So I'll give you one example. For example, we, well, except for today, we typically dress down, sort of, not down, down, but we want to be a relaxed church where you don't have to go and buy a new wardrobe to be able to come to church, right? It's a community standard for us. We want people to come and feel relaxed no matter what they're wearing. Plain and simple. That's a community standard. It's not a biblical right or wrong, but it's something that's important for us because of the people that we want to be relatable to. You're with me. Can I bring a harder one? And I know Cameron's addressed this a couple times now, but on the issue of alcohol. This is a community standard for Impact Church. Not, not generally for... When we talk about uh, alcohol, I know we've talked about certain things in relation to this because when we, when we talk about, for example, our pastoral leadership, we, we ask that they refrain from alcohol. Why? Because we believe as a community standard, if you're truly setting an example for your flock, when we know the struggles that a lot of people have, we hear the stories, we hear the struggles, we hear the past, we hear the heartaches of people that have come out of abusive situations, not just in relation to this, but it could be many different things. So sometimes we literally set out a community standard and we say, because we want to be a safe place. God has spoken over impact again and again that you are to be a house of restoration. You are to be a mass unit. You are to be a hospital. You are to take the broken. You are to take the abuse. You are to take the people that come and they need restoration. So our hearts bleed for our people. And when we come and we say certain things and we say, you know what, for the sake of being a safe house, for the sake of being a safe place, sometimes we may challenge and put a a community standard out there that you may wonder about because maybe it's not a clear biblical standard, but for us we're saying it because our heart bleeds for our people to say we want this to be a safe place. So no matter what you've struggled with in your past to the best of our ability, whether it's this issue or that issue or whatever it may be, we want to do what we can before God to say this is a safe flock. You can come in here, you can get healed, you can get set free, you can get restored, you can get rid of your past because that's the place that God has called us to be. And so if I can say this, we're not here to meddle with anyone's business, but we're here to say, as a church, would you do this with us? Especially for those that are leaders, because we feel as a leader we ought to serve and lead by example and lay our lives down for our sheep, for our flock. And if I can come back to the rod and the staff, very interesting fact is that the shepherd would actually sit in the gate of the sheepfold And I don't know if you've ever heard this. It's incredibly interesting. At the end of the day, when the sheep came back to the flock, you know what he would do? He would take his rod, and he would put it at a certain height. And you know those pictures of sheep jumping over the gate? That one? It actually comes from this practice. At the end of the day, as the sheep came in, he would hold the rod up at a certain level, and he would say, now, Fluffy, come on, you can make it. Jump over. And they would have to jump into the fold because if there was a sheep in there that couldn't make the jump, the shepherd would immediately know that something was wrong and that there was something that was not right. There was an issue of health or maybe they couldn't see or maybe they had a sore foot or whatever it is. And so he would take that sheep aside and then tend to them. But the shepherd was the one that set the standard, set the height of the rod to say, if you're healthy, you can jump over. And if you can't, I'm going to take care of you, mend you, and heal you until you can make the jump. So if I can say this, sometimes when you hear our community standards, we're simply holding up the rod and saying, can you make the jump? 
If not, we'd love to work with you till you can. And I hope you hear our heart with that. Because honestly, we love our people. And you, if you heard the stories sometimes of the people that come into our midst that are broken, that are wounded, that are hurt, you would know why we bleed for our people and we bleed for a place of safety. Because we want our people to be able to come in and get healed. This should not be a place of temptation. This should not be a place where you come in and, and you're further wounded. This should be a place of safety. And so I hope you hear a heart sometimes when we put that rod up and we say, would you make that jump? Maybe not even for your own sake, but for the person that sits beside you. You have no idea what they've gone through. So I hope you're with us. And if you have questions around that, you can always come and talk to us. Always ask us. Because just like parents, we usually have a good reason. <laughs> but not everyone knows at all times. But that's our heart. And the third standard is this. So it's biblical standards, community standards, and then there's personal standards. Sometimes it's been preached in churches that it's personal standard. They preach it as if it was a biblical standard. But it's okay to have different personal standards. And I believe that as pastors, we're just simply going to hold to our own personal standards because we want to be examples. We want to set the example. We would never ask someone to do something we're not willing to do ourselves. And you may have your personal standards, and that's okay. But sometimes people intermingle those three and get all confused. But we are called to be guardians of the door. And I think I'm out of time, so I'm just going to give you the last two points. As shepherds, we are called to be feeders of the flock. We are called to feed our people. Jeremiah 23 says, I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking. I believe we are called to feed our people. We do that through preaching, through teaching, through our equipped classes. We want to feed our people so that you have the tools that you need in order to grow and mature and know Christ. And the last point is this. The shepherd is the shearer of the sheep. We encourage sharing in our house. No one caught that. Um, anyhow, <laughs> we teach our kids to share. Um, share. But, <laughs> but if I can say this, a sheer, yeah, thank you, Cam, for at least smiling at me. Um, <laughs> feel supported by you. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, re- re- rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. If I can say this, shearing time is not a bad time. It's not a bad thing. Shearing time, where sometimes it involves some correction, cutting away of things. I felt like God spoke to me and said, a sheep, when the wool grows, I don't know if you know this, but if you, keep, uh, if you just keep letting that wool grow, it'll eventually grow over their eyes and get so heavy that eventually a sheep will actually fall over from the weight of their wool and they cannot get up and left untended, they will eventually die. So God has called shepherds to be shears. And sometimes wool will grow over your eyes and you cannot see your way. And a shepherd will come along and say, let's cut that stuff off that, that, uh, that blinds you from the way you are to walk in. Does that make sense? Because a pastor is called to shear his sheep and to also teach them to share. <laughs> so shearing time is good because we are called to be givers. That was a great word this morning, uh, Scotty. But if I can end with this, and then camera's going to come up. Um, but if I can end with this, a true shepherd is not just a title. A shepherd is a position that we either embrace 
or we push away. And if I can say this, people usually respond or react. You can either respond to the voice of your shepherd, even if you don't understand it at first, but asking questions is okay. But reactionary people usually question rather than ask questions. And so we hope that as shepherds of this house, that you hear our heart, that we love our people, and we want the best for our people. Amen. We're going to do uh, something a little bit different for communion. We're not going to take very long, so don't worry about this. Um, But Sandra made a statement uh, in there um, that uh, shepherds need to set the example. They need to set the tone. And um, some of you may know this, um, but around the third week of January, God started to really just draw me to seek him like never before and to really set aside some stuff in my life and just seek God because how many know that if this church is going to go anywhere, the leaders need to go there first. We need to figure it out first. And so God called me to do something that I still question whether it's still in the Bible. Uh, it's called fasting. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's there. I just, I'm trying to convince myself that it's not in the Bible. Lord, that's, I didn't read that part. Um, I love food a lot. I love certain types of food even more. The, the stuff I like even more is really not good for me. And um, so I struggle. And I had a couple people this morning come up to me and just said, man, you've, you've lost weight. And I went, yeah, it's amazing what happens when you focus on Jesus. Um, so January the 24th, I started. And I just kind of felt like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I kind of looked at the calendar and I realized that my 40 days would end on the first day of the encounter. And I said, Lord, okay, I'm going to go. I've never done this in my life. I've done 31 days. I've done 15 days. I've done 10 days. I've done one hour. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That was my most proud moment as a, as a believer. One hour. Jesus, I did one hour for you. Come on. And, uh, you, know, I wanted a, you know, I wanted a cookie right after that. And that was the distraction noodle. You know, the craft dinner distraction noodle. But that's okay. Um, so anyhow... As I've been praying and seeking God, um, how many know that correction, the Bible says that correction starts in the house of God first, before it goes outside of the house of God. And I'm going to go one step further. Correction starts with the pastor first. And as I've been praying and seeking God, God has just been, uh, really convicting me of our vision Sunday. January the 3rd, and I have been overwhelmed with the sense that I spoke in certain elements of that message out of frustration. I spoke out of frustration, and the analogy that God has given me is at times I was hitting the rock, the church, instead of speaking to it gently and compassionately, and I just want to say this morning uh, that I'm absolutely 100% uh, sorry for that. And I find God hilarious. Somehow that morning, the recording of that message didn't work. And our best sound person who knows the most about sound was on that day. And somehow he didn't get it. And it's like God came to me. And you know how sometimes you think God is going to beat you up and remind you that you're Simon instead of calling you Peter? Where God used this little analogy. And it was so for me, he just said, hey Cameron, I'm giving you a mulligan. Hit the next one the right, right this time. Hit the fairway the next time. 
And so last night, I came to the, I came here last night about 9.30, and I re-recorded the Vision Sunday message. So I want you guys to go home and listen to it, because I believe the tone and the heart of the message is exactly what God wants. Now, I want to say this. Some of the stuff you're going to hear is going to be the exact same, but I believe God convicted me of my tone, and of some of those things that I did say, I felt like we're out of frustration. And so I want to say this morning, um, first of all, that I'm sorry, and the second thing I want to say is I want to ask you guys to forgive me for coming across in a way that was not representative of the heart of the Father. And uh, I have been, God has dealt with me severely about this, so I just want to say sorry this morning, forgive me for that. Um, When we take communion today, I want you to take a look at your own life. And I want you to take a look at the lives of those that are around you. And if I felt like on that Sunday, I felt like I was talking to Simon when God said it's time to talk to Peter. And if there's people in your life this morning that you keep looking at them like they're Simon, that's the past, that's, that's what you're doing, that you're frustrating me, Simon. I want you to make a decision today as you take communion. I want you to look at those people that are next to you, whether they, you love them or whether you struggle with them. And I want you to see the seed of greatness in them. And I want you to see the Peter that's on the inside of them. I want you to see the mighty man of valor in Gideon, even though there was none of that there. And so I want to say this morning, God is doing a good thing in our church, and I'm so thankful that he's doing a good work in me. Because I tell you, I know that if we're going to go anywhere as a church, if we're going to take the city for Christ, if we're going to be a city-reaching church, then Sandra and I got to go there first. We got to be ready. We got to be in tune. We got to be prayed up. We got to be literally declaring the very message from heaven on earth. And we have to deliver it in a way that is God-honoring and God-fearing. And so I want to let you know this morning, God's doing a good work in me. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.